Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics on today's show. We're first going to talk some news. Of course, there's some things to touch on with college football and the coronavirus of the Big Ten, um, some COVID news, and one of the uh, members of the Big Ten shutting down their workouts, so we'll touch on all of that. And then we're going to go through and, and do some... Uh, Recruiting updates for the 2021 class. It's been uh, a little while since we've talked about recruiting. Of course, we've had some interviews from from multiple classes, but we'll kind of go through and and just give an update on where we're at as we, you know, the the calendar turns to almost September here. Uh, You're probably listening to this. You'd be listening to it on September 1st. So uh, we'll kind of give you an update and a breakdown of that. Uh, if we've got time at the end here, we'll also talk some Wisconsin basketball over on Bucky'sFifthQuarter.com. We're starting up some basketball coverage probably a little bit earlier than uh, uh, most sites are, but when you don't have football to cover and there's only a little bit to talk about um, you know, day in and day out with the Big Ten and the Big Ten teams and the corresponding SB Nation sites, it becomes a little bit of a challenge. So we're going to look to the future a little bit and talk about some basketball over the next uh, few episodes. Uh, and over at Bucky'sFifthQuarter.com doing returner profiles uh, similar to what we did for the football season. So we hope you enjoy that. And with that, Matt, how are you doing on this fine Monday afternoon? I'm doing good. Ready, ready to talk a little, uh, not only recruiting, but then also basketball. It feels like basketball has been a while in the making here just because of everything that's been going on as well and how the NCAA tournament got shut down so early. So um, I, hopefully that's uh, something positive to keep an eye towards and that basketball seems to be on schedule to take shape and hopefully it happens. And uh, I know that the we kind of cut short our football returning profiles just because it's not really, it doesn't really make sense to cover the returning profiles if we don't know when bas- uh, football is going to start up. But we do, as of right now, still have an idea of when basketball is going to be happening. So Hopefully that'll that'll be uh, scratch the itch for some fans uh, as well, and I know that we're enjoying to talk about it. Uh, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, it'll be interesting uh, to kind of see uh, what the plan is for for college basketball. I think they, uh, you know, the schools around the country have learned from the the lack of plan for the football season. That hopefully uh, salvaged, you know, basketball season whenever that might start. Um, what will happen, uh, you know, fingers crossed that there's no hiccups with that. I know there's been this, um, some discussion about bubbles uh, for that as well. Don't know if that'll work out, but we'll we'll get into more and more basketball as we get going here because not only is it is it the one thing we can really talk about uh, with some sort of hope, but also you know, with for Wisconsin, disappointing end of the season in return in terms of the you know tournament being canceled and and now they come back and. Really bring back a solid squad. So the excitement isn't only just for you know Wisconsin athletics to have normalcy in in its timeline, but also that the this team looks to be you know they are defending uh, you know a Big Ten regular season title. 
I think they were poised to make a, a deep tournament run, and this year they come back with a lot of those same pieces and some uh, some nice additions. So it's going to be interesting to, to talk about them and, and see. And I think Badger fans are in for a, a very exciting Wisconsin basketball season whenever it starts up. No doubt, ma'am. All right. We'll start off with our news of the day if you're ready. Yeah. Here's what's happening. All right, so our news of the day will start with the Nebraska players' Big Ten lawsuit. Eight Nebraska football players have filed a lawsuit against the Big Ten, uh, essentially in hopes that the the players hope to force the conference to reverse its previous decision uh, to postpone the season until uh, 2021 or our spring season. I, I don't know, you know I, I know the end goal for the eight players. I get it. Uh, it was a pretty uh, you know lengthy law or lengthy suit that they put out. Um, I don't know if it's really going to accomplish anything for them, but uh, I applaud the players for continuing to use their voice and and try to make this thing happen any way they they can. I know uh, for Wisconsin, there were very you know there were a lot of players that were vocal. This past weekend uh, and, and this past you know, late last week about uh, the situation and how other conferences are are getting pretty close to uh, starting up here. You know, not uh, not a ton of games this weekend, but uh, the following weekend the the ACC starts play, and it sounds like at least right now, unless some you know something really big changes, uh, that there's going to be teams playing football this fall, uh, which is maybe a surprise to some people and, and surprise to players around the Big Ten because. Um, so I, I know there's disappointment there, but what did you make of, of this lawsuit by, by the players, and, and what do you think that really uh, is going gonna, is gonna to bring to them? Yeah, I'm, I'm in a similar boat to you. I don't see a whole lot transpiring from this. I think at most it hopefully um, pushes maybe the Big Ten to show their hand a little bit more, give some more information, a little bit more transparency, which I think really is is what everybody's hammering home on the Big Ten about is that a lot of the information was not readily available and the unveiling wasn't handled great. It was kind of messy. But but I think, I, in, in all honesty, I, I'm appreciative of the fact that they're not looking for money, like that it wasn't well, one of those type of uh, – um, headlines where you're seeing that they just want uh, damages and, and whatnot, but rather they just want answers. Um, they're trying to to flip the decision. I don't see that happening. Um, although some of the recent uh, movements within COVID-19 with the testing breakthroughs, it, it would make sense that they could probably start playing. We saw, I don't know if you watched, did you watch the Central Arkansas and Austin P game this weekend? I did not. I was uh, at a wedding. I saw the first play, and then we uh, had to go back in and start doing stuff, so I did not catch it. But it, it looked nice to just have some football on the television even for a little bit. Yeah, so that was uh, that was uh, kind of exciting to have something on uh, in the background while I was doing stuff. So that was that was fun and exciting to, to see, but I really, you look at uh, some of the upcoming games that are going to be happening, and it's, it's definitely tough to tough pill to swallow. I'm guessing that's becoming more and more apparent for the players, uh, and in this case, the parents who are who are suing on behalf of the student athletes. Um, I know the the most recognizable person was uh, Ed McCaffrey's son, um, Luke, who plays for Nebraska. So that's kind of interesting to see that because Ed is probably a pretty big football lifer type guy. Um, so I don't think much is going to come of it. 
Uh, I think Nebraska, the players involved, know that they're not going to win this. I, I just I don't anticipate them winning this, but um, I guess we'll see. That's really where I'm at with it. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting story. Um, I, I like I said, I, I appreciate that the players are doing everything they can to to try and make and then really get answers. Uh, I know, like you mentioned, that it isn't monetary. I believe they they claimed, you know, just for essentially real life relief is what they had in their um, in their suit, which which I I can understand. You know, these guys work year round. Uh, to to play a season and to you know have it canceled and, and not get any answers it has to be frustrating you know we've talked about that time and time again here on the podcast over the few we- last few weeks um, but I, I don't know if anything will really come from it but again it's it's I'm sure as they continue to go on it, it continues to be a painful spot because you're seeing uh, you know games being started up you know in these next couple weekends it's really going to ramp up some more so. Uh, it's going to be interesting, and then now you're you're talking about kind of what, which merges well into our next story. You know, the Big Ten discussing, you know, possibly starting Thanksgiving weekend. Um, I this one, you know, I don't know if you saw. Um, I'm blanking on, on the name. Scott Van Pelt, um, his rant on the uh, uh, on the Big Ten possibly discussing this decision. And again, the I think the biggest thing from to take from this is the. Not only the lack of transparency, but also just the number of plans that have been talked about, and you don't really know what actually has legs, what doesn't, what to believe. You know, what month is is the Big Ten going to start? But it, it kind of merges into our next news story about that, is because we were going to touch on it. What do you make of this Thanksgiving weekend starting? Um, you know, how do you feel about that? Because of course, we're you're, you're welcome Big Ten football. We we, we want to see the Badgers and, and Big Ten teams on the field whenever they can, but at the same time, if you can play in, uh, you know, Thanksgiving, you know, around when flu season and stuff like that starts already, why why, why can't you play in, in September or late October like some of these teams are doing anyway? So what did you make of uh, this new, I guess, hypothetical that the Big Ten's kind of working around? Yeah, I thought SVP kind of took the hammer and hit the nail um, it, when he was talking just – it, it's. I think for me, it's the messaging right now. It, mm-hmm. it just really, you don't usually have this many people going rogue, this many people um, throwing things together and talking um, and trying to work towards different changes than what has already been decided, unless there is a, a, a lack of like solid leadership happening um, and just not a transparent message. And that's kind of what we're seeing. I, I doubt. Um, Thanksgiving happens. I, I, from what I understand of it, it seems like this is something that a group of coaches, maybe even athletic directors, are, are working on, trying to put together um, to make it so that there would be a Thanksgiving kickoff, or or there's still the talk of January, like we have covered as well with the winter season. Um, I know we'll probably, if if and when that gets announced, we'll definitely dive into that and really nitpick that deeper. Um, I know that fans are interested in that. But but right now it's just there's so many different balls in the air that are being juggled and by so many different people that it's it that's not necessarily how you what you want out of leadership. And uh, I think that's a really tough pill to swallow for, for fans and players and everybody kind of on down that are below the presidents and and Kevin Warren. So I think right now that if if we can get football at any any point, it's going to be a, a win because I can tell you right now it's sure looking like the SEC, ACC, and Big 
Big 12, and then the other uh, three uh, Power 5 schools or uh, group of five schools are also going to be pounding forward and moving forward with their season full steam ahead, and who knows how that's going to um, play out. But I, I think the Big Ten wanted to be out in front of this and be the pioneers and everybody would follow suit, and um, that that didn't happen, and we'll see kind of how everything transpires from here. But, but really – I think it'd be great to start in Thanksgiving, but like you said, I, I don't. If you can start in Thanksgiving, why couldn't you start at the end of September and and work through that? Or why couldn't you have at the very least punted back a couple weeks and realigned with everyone else? So it's just a frustrating mess at this juncture. Yeah, that's a great way to put it, and it's just. It seems time and time again that the the Big Ten, uh, unfortunately, just doesn't seem to be learning from the the previous mistake um, of of canceling the season. It seems like this is almost an attempt to uh, walk things back and and maybe try to save some face and and get people excited. But again, if you don't follow through with that Thanksgiving plan, you're, you're kind of giving you know players false hope. Uh, and they certainly don't deserve to to have to go through uh, a false hope. You know, I'm sure players see that on on Twitter or whatever uh, they're on, and and they they get a sense of hope that oh hey, you know maybe we're maybe we're playing in November, maybe it's not so far away. But if you don't have an actual plan of action uh, behind that, it's just getting guys to to buy into something that that isn't a reality. And I think that's got to be really hard on on players. Hard on fans, of course. It's it's a luxury for us to be able to watch football anyway, but uh, it's still something that the fans really want and and are looking for. And I know the players are definitely looking for it, and the coaches are probably want to give them some sort of answers. And, and so far, they can't. Uh, so it, it's really frustrating when you when you see all the other conferences, you know, kind of gearing up. But at the same time, you know, I, I still understand the decision. I just wish, like you said, the messaging uh, and the the decision making was better because it's not normal for the Big Ten to be this uh, dismantled uh, in a way that, uh, you know, we've really never seen before. Yeah, and I think, you know, you talked about that if they were to go with a Thanksgiving weekend, which I still doubt happens, um, that they would kind of be backtracking a bit. But but really, everybody knows that everything has been so fluid with COVID-19. It's been a new, um, a new thing, a new um, juncture for everybody to get through. So it, it's – I don't understand why the Big Ten – they already got egg on their face. It doesn't really matter if you say, okay, hey, this is what we had, the information we had then. We were really worried about testing protocols. We've seen a great increase in testing protocols, contact tracing efforts that we really didn't think were there at the time. That has since shifted. We're um, going to go all, all systems go for um, Thanksgiving weekend. We also are going to planning to do it then simply because that's going to be a time when we're seeing that there's not going to be the general um, student body there. So I, I think that's a, a way to kind of do it. And while it's an about face, it's, it is what it is. And it's, nothing as good, as good is going to come of this if you don't play or if, or if you do. It's going to be a kind of still a mess. And, but at least if you come back with clear messaging of this is what we're doing, this is why, everybody's on board everybody at the table coming to this consensus and moving forward with it, it would go a long way in, in helping uh, just really fans, players, parents, coaches, everybody feel more at ease and really just understanding of the situation and hopefully having something to work through. I did see that they, um, there was discussions um, about possibly like even Miller Park being one of the venues, which would be pretty wild. 
Yeah, that would be cool. You know, I, I think there are a lot of, of good plans being laid out. It's just more, uh, you know, finding some unity, putting together a plan, and maybe those discussions are going behind the scenes and these things are getting leaked out before they have legs to them. You know, you can't put the onus on everyone. There's been a lot of that where, where things have came out that, that maybe aren't true and, and things that maybe don't have the groundwork to be, uh, you know, you know, claimed in concrete. So, uh, there's a lot of different factors, but you just wish the Big Ten would kind of get some unity and, and come up with a plan so you can you can move forward and these players can buy into something uh, realistic. All right, well, our last piece of news, and it's kind of on the opposite side uh, of the, you know, go out and play. You can kind of see in some of these departments why the Big Ten is, is kind of thinking it, and, and you're, you're seeing examples of why it might be unsafe, and that's uh, you know, the the recent shutdown at the University of Iowa, they've shut down all of their athletic workouts after 11 new cases on the football team, I think 93 total, um, maybe within the athletic department, I'll have to check the actual numbers on that, um, but it's definitely been a, a situation, if you've been watching the news, uh, you know, I used to a very odd situation, they had a, a very bad storm a couple weeks ago, and, and COVID is definitely running rampant. Uh, throughout the state, and in terms of per capita, they're they're very high up there in terms of states. So definitely something to watch for. As you know, Iowa is not playing, but you know, in Ames, Iowa, another Iowa uh, hour away, uh, they are are playing, and and things are kind of running rampant in the state. So what did you make of uh, of that shutdown, and uh, does that maybe give the Big Ten kind of some uh, claim that hey, this is why we didn't do it, this is why it's unsafe, but at the same time they've been allowed to work out and, and do things. So they're going to be around each other anyway. So uh, kind of, a, again, another mess, but uh, maybe something where the Big Ten could kind of look at it and say, hey, there's why we made that decision. Yeah, I think it's another indicator of why that decision came about. I know that there's also talks about um, some of the data was something like 15% of um, athletes that they had tested or something like that with myocarditis. They're, they're anywhere between 10 and 15% that they had found um, had some different symptoms that might lead to myocarditis or all sorts of different things. Who knows? There's so much crap being thrown against walls these days that um, it's hard to really know what's factual and what is just conjecture. Um, I know that it, just now it, uh, Nicole Auerbach is reporting that Nebraska, Iowa, and Ohio State um, all dissented in their votes and that the vote to postpone fall was 11 to 3. And, and so I know that's kind of like happening right now, but um, I'm sure there'll be more information kind of coming out from that. But, but I think, yeah, I mean, you're looking at it. I think the number was 98 for Iowa, that yeah, a total of 98. Right. Possible uh, positive tests across the athletic department. Now we don't know if that was um, a higher concentration in the football team, or if it was volleyball, or if it was um, basketball, or just in the communications department, or where it actually happened. But within the athletic department as a whole, um, that's that's quite a few, and it, it's that is an alarming number, and it's and it's a big reason why um, this decision was made. You know, you also see over the weekend there was the discussions of uh, LSU only had four offensive linemen that could practice. The rest of them were all either um, diagnosed with COVID-19 or were sitting out due to contract tracing efforts and quarantine. Um, If that happens during the season, there's no way you're going to send out a, a team with four offensive linemen and have to go with throwing defensive linemen out there and doing other things. That's just not safe because the offensive line is 
is such a specific group of individuals that are trained to play a very specific purpose. So um, I think another thing happened with Oklahoma. It was one of – they never said which position group, but there was a specific mm, position yep. group was also out um, because they didn't have enough practice bodies. So this is something going on um, across the country. It's going to be something that teams are going to have to figure out. Um, and, and Iowa is just an example of kind of what can go wrong within – um, this, but at the same time, this is stuff that we have been seeing going on for a while now. Um, and I think just there's, there's a lot to be said. There's a lot of various opinions about whether what the Big Ten did was right or wrong. I'm not here to argue that. I just, I'm, my big thing has been domestic. I'm, I understanding of what the decision was um, doesn't mean I love it, doesn't mean I hate it. It's just a matter of um, within this, Iowa was at least transparent and said, hey, this is where we're at. We're pausing things, and this is why. And that's that's all you can really do, and that's, I think, really all that people want in uh, in the sports community. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. It'll be interesting to see. Um, you know how Iowa and the rest of the Big Ten, and how you know Iowa State. I believe they announced today that uh, despite what's going on in the state, they're going to allow twenty-five thousand fans to their home game. So uh, it's it's crazy the difference that that you can have, you know, from uh, you know a short amount of travel time and, and conferences that way, and and how the, the outlook can change. And that's part of maybe the NCA should be a little bit more uh, out in front and handling some of this stuff. But at the same time, if it's left up to these conferences, they can they can do as they please. And uh, the Big Ten and the Big Twelve and and every other conference will hopefully. Um, you know, be happy with their decision, and, and hopefully it's the right one. Nobody really knows which one it is at this point, um, but it'd be nice to, of course, get some some concrete answers if you're a, a Big Ten fan. All right, well, that wraps up our news. Do you want to get into uh, some recruiting talk? We'll go ahead and uh, we'll, we'll get our ad reads out of the way, and then we'll uh, hop into our next two segments. All right, guys, so well, like we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, we it's been a while as the, the calendar turns to September. It's been a while since we've talked some recruiting and some basketball, so we're going to go through and hit uh, both of those. Uh, basketball maybe a little bit more briefly, but we'll get into more basketball uh, over the coming weeks. Of course, when you don't have Wisconsin football games to break down and preview, you're going to have a little bit more uh, to touch on uh, on the basketball front uh, rather than continually talk about the same thing uh, in terms of COVID and, and the Big Ten's disaster and blunders that way. So um, 2021 recruiting update. Right now there are 16 commits thus far. So when you look at the class breakdowns uh, for Wisconsin in, in 2019, they took 19 scholarship players. And in 2020, they took 20 scholarship players. So there's there's probably three, four, maybe five more guys that you're going to take in this class. And, of course, there's some big names uh, that they can get, but right now, uh, as we kind of look at, you know, essentially 16 of the probable 20 uh, already being filled, there's not a lot of spots left, but what do you feel is kind of the strength of the class as it sits kind of right now at this point in time? Yeah, I mean, right now, I think really you look at what they have on the on the offensive line and at running back are really, really solid. You've got two or three guys that you could run with, with Loyal Crawford, Antoine Roberts, and then um, athletes. I, I just like to think of him as a jumbo athlete, Jackson Acker, who could easily play running back as well. That's really solid. And then the offensive line, you've got J.P. Benchwell, you've got Riley Mullman, 
you're shooting for the moon with uh, Nolan Rucci. So I think really that's – and you add that offensive line based off of what you saw last year with such a strong class too, and that's really positive momentum in that way. And then outside linebacker is also just staffed right now. They've done a really good job at that. Um, and I, I absolutely like love Hunter Waller. I think he's going to be a phenomenal player in that secondary for, for years to come. So I think you look at it, they did a really good job of walking down the, the state, getting the guys that they wanted, and then also going out and getting a lot of top top of their board guys. This isn't something to where they had to go far down. I think you look at Skylar Bell, and he wasn't one of the first guys that they had offered in this class. However, he was one of the first guys that Elvis Wood had had and offered once he took over. And that's that's telling that really you look at it. These were all guys that they been, had been on for a long time. It wasn't like, oh, we missed out on XYZ targets. Now we're going to settle for this player. Like Jack Pugh was a, a top-of-the-board guy that they wanted to tight end. Um, Mike Jarvis has had an offer for a long while. So it's it's really – that's a, a something that I really look at. You can look at stars. You can look at um, all the different metrics. But really, if you look at – these are guys that the staff identified early, offered early, and went hard after for a long time. That's usually telling, um, especially within recruiting of Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it speaks to uh, the, what the Badgers do well, and that's doing their homework on these guys and, and not sending out an offer to every kid that, you know, they don't just see some tape, see some athletics, or, or see a name or stars and just say, okay, well, we're going to offer every kid and, and hopefully weed out um, some players from there. You know, Wisconsin, we, we've talked about it before, they, they do a lot of homework on these guys. They're, you know, usually ones that are, are early to offer. You know, some of these guys start out with, um, you know, MAC offers, smaller school offers, and then Wisconsin is might be one of their first uh, big offers that they receive because they're they're not not looking for diamonds in the rough, uh, but essentially they're they're getting to guys early and they're they're making their presence known. And when you uh, when Wisconsin does that, they can they can really do a good job because they have a, a solid foundation. You've got a coach that has been there a while. You know the principles of the offense and of the defense. Uh, and and you know Madison is a, a very easy uh, place to sell to a lot of people and a lot of kids. So uh, it just shows that they do a good job and, and they do their homework. And then you know we're, as we're talking strengths, like you mentioned. Uh, you know the offensive tackles, coupled with uh, you know Trey Wedding and Jack Nelson and, and Malman and Benchwall are are phenomenal. You look at a guy like Deacon Hill. He he wasn't necessarily the the flashiest, but all of a sudden uh, of late he he's really picked up. Uh, you know picked up that fourth star by some of the outlets and really rising up boards. The Badgers were very early to him, and and then you've got guys. You know you, you talked about the running backs. We don't need to hit on those guys, but. Three really solid backs. Uh, Skylar Bell is, a, I think, a steal at the receiver position, probably uh, one that could be rated higher um, than what the credit he's getting for. Is that you see the athleticism, and then uh, the, the the guys that, that kind of fill out the rest of the, you know, Daryl Peterson, uh, Brian Sanborn's going to be a guy, you know, Jack Sanborn's younger brother, again, maybe not the flashiest player, but really solid uh, guys that the Badgers can build around at, at a wide variety of positions. You know, it's not like they went, uh, really heavy at one position outside of of running back, um, so it's it's an interesting class. Uh, but I think it it they they hit the head and they hit the nail, um, you know, on a lot of these guys that were going for, and it, it allowed the class to to fill out nicely. And there's still some nice pieces that they could go out and get. Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, that's that kind of leans into the 
um, one of our talking points was, you know, we've there's a lot of players that are out there that they've been going after. You mentioned how many commits they have had in the past few cycles. I think really for me, I wouldn't be surprised if they only bring in a couple more players, um, and unless they add somebody later in the cycle, because they don't have a lot of guys that they're really going after hard right now, and but instead have kind of narrowed in their focus on a couple guys, and with the the kind of uncertainty with how the um, eligibility waiver is going to interact with roster management. It's hard to for the Badgers to probably pull the trigger on some guys that they know that they're going to be going down their board to get in order to to fill out a class to get to 20, to get to 22. Like I know we had talked about as, as a possibility earlier in this mm-hmm. cycle that it would make sense given the fact that you got 16 um, seniors who are tentatively leaving but now you don't know that. You, we talked just this last uh, week, we talked about, hey, what if a guy like Danny Davis wants to come back for a fifth year? I, I highly doubt that the veterans are going to be like, no, we don't want our top returning wide receiver to come back. That would be terrible. you know. So it's like that's going to be a hard thing for them. And I think you're right now you're swinging for the fences of the guys that are no-doubters. And then if later on you find out some more information about eligibility, you can kick the tires on some flips because you know that there's going to be guys who are going to be second-guessing their decisions come closer to signing day, um, especially that early signing day when there is so much kind of uh, decisions that go into that, making that signature early, given the fact that players, not everybody has visited schools. So I think it's going to be fascinating to watch that kind of thing. Do you want to talk about um, Joseph Manjack at all? Yeah, we'll touch on on him. He was a a target for the Badgers. Um, was originally an SMU commit, ended up decommitting there and announcing his commitment to Washington State. Uh, a guy that I think the Badgers were definitely interested in. I, I don't want to say that they uh, you know weren't buying into him because of course when you offer a scholarship uh, to a player, you're you're interested in. But at the same time, I think once they got the the Skyler Bell commitment, it was kind of like you know if we can. Um, we'll we'll certainly take take Manjack, but I think he probably was already looking elsewhere already. I don't know how hot the recruiting trail was for him, but he was you know a six three receiver, three star kid, so definitely some size and and some athletic you know potential there. But it's another one where like kind of like you mentioned already, a guy that uh, maybe isn't the the top of the list. You know you're definitely interested in and, and would be looking at, but at the same time, if if they have a places going elsewhere maybe that's just kind of where the shoe fits so what did you make of his decommitment and and recommitment over to wazoo yeah i mean i think it, it makes sense for him he he seems like a guy who would fit really well in a traditional spread mm-hmm. attack um i know washington state will use a lot of different things he's a bigger body guy so he could possibly play a little bit of tight end or kind of h-back for them as well but but i think the writing was kind of on the wall once the Badgers got Skyler Bell. I know last we just uh, put out today our um, build a Badger. You know, Drew and I usually work on that. Uh, that we didn't include Manjack in in that after doing it last week or uh, last month, just simply because once Skyler Bell happened, I think mm-hmm. that made it much more likely that the Badgers went with one wide receiver. You're seeing the Badgers kind of focused in on their top targets, and if they're landing them there's less reason for them to really go for the insurance guys. Jack Poo, they went for multiple tight ends after him. They didn't get Gunnar Helm. They didn't get Terrence Ferguson. It's kind of like, well, there's nobody else that we really deem we need in this class. You look at Mike Jarvis. I think the exact same thing on that D-line when we talked to him. 
he even had said then that, that the staff had talked about him not being um, a guy that – or being the only guy on the in the D-line room. And then Ricardo Hallman and as well as uh, Hunter Wohler in the secondary, those were positions that you could have probably anticipated the Badgers taking another cornerback, taking another safety, but really they got those top-of-the-board guys, and then you kind of saw some of their other targets just kind of fall by the wayside. And I think that's telling of how much trust they put in those guys and how much they think they hit on those guys moving forward. And I think that's what really happened with Manjack. I think if Manjack would have tried to commit earlier, and like earlier in his recruitment when it was kind of a little bit more murky, if Scour Bell was going to be um, uh, a Badger, I think that would have led to the Badgers maybe taking him and then trying to still get Scour Bell in the class. But but really right now the Badgers seem to be in, in, in a – coasting pattern looking for their best available and and I don't think Joseph Manjack kind of necessarily fit that what they think they need or what's the best available to them yeah I think you hit the nail on the head with with him of course you know you like you mentioned you go after Skylar Bell you get that maybe you don't need to uh, go after uh, some other guys and you that kind of transitions well into our our next question and, and who, you know who is the the next guy of course there's a few names out there one primarily that if he's ready to if he's ready to commit, the Badgers will will, will drive there and uh, you know get him on board, and that's of course Nolan Rucci, um, you know five star kid, Hayden Rucci's younger brother out of the state of Pennsylvania, top player in the state. Uh, so of course we can talk about that. We know Wisconsin is fully in on him and is is hoping to land him. But aside from him, who do you think are the guys that the Badgers are? are really plugging in as a Skylar Bell type guy, Jack Pugh type guy, that they want them in the class. He's not maybe a, a secondary guy where you're just kind of working the fold. Who's, who are some names that you think are, um, you know, primary targets that are still left in this class? I think it's really um, Nolan Rucci, I think, is is for sure. They're going to hold a spot for him no matter what. I wouldn't be surprised if if he ends up making a decision in the next couple months just based off that there's not going to be visits, his season's starting up here at some point soon. So I wouldn't be surprised by that. And that would kind of give open up possibility of if the Badgers were to miss on him, I, I don't think they will. I still like the Badgers to get him. But if they missed on him, that might open up an outer scholarship as well. But, but right now I think it's really Rucci. Um, and then the other guy I, I really think – is going to be another outside linebacker, whether it's Jake Retzloff um, or if it's going to be Yanni Karlaftis. I think Karlaftis is going to be tough to get away from Purdue with his older brother there. But then you also look at it as his older brother is probably gone after this year. So he doesn't isn't going to be on the same field as his brother. There's a local poll, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if Karlaftis tries to go and, and pave his own way. Um, however, I think Jake Ratzloff, if he doesn't get that, like, the draft spot that he wants uh, in hockey, he's a Minnesota hockey currently, mm-hmm. but if he doesn't get that selection that he wants, I could easily see him saying, you know, screw it, Wisconsin's done really well at producing outside linebackers. Um, he could even project that inside linebacker if you wanted. Um, and, and he's a guy that I, if, if he were to commit to the Badgers, he might – hop up to the top spot to me in terms of my favorite player in this class. I currently think Hunter Wohler is probably the guy that I'm like, that's a for sure fire guy that I trust. I think his tape is like off the board, but I think Ratzloff, you look at his athletic ability, his size, and kind of just 
the sheer explosiveness he plays with, he might be the best outside linebacker they're bringing in in this class, and that's with four-star guys like T.J. Bowlers and Daryl Peterson and um, playing. So I think he's a guy that I think the Badgers would really love to fit in here. So I think those are the three guys really – um, and I know that's not a lot, but at the same time, if those are top-of-the-board guys that they wanted early, had offers out to, and have really been plugging away at for some time. And I think, really, if you get Rucci, that's that's huge because you'd be stealing them out of, out of Pennsylvania from Penn State and kind of um, a little payback for Jerry Cross leaving State to go there. Yeah, and you, you bring up a good point with that, with, with Rucci, you know, essentially being poached away from the state of Pennsylvania and the Big Ten team. Kind of the same situation with Jake Rosloff as a, a Minnesota kid. Minnesota, of course, is, is heavy on the trail to, to land him for to play football. I know he's got the hockey background as well, which makes it a little bit, um, you know, harder. And, and essentially it's down to probably uh, those two. I know on 247, I don't believe he has any predictions by anyone. Um, but there's other Big Ten teams kind of in on him as well in, in Iowa and Illinois. So definitely a guy that, you know, you, when you there's some players that you're going to miss out on and, and they're going to go uh, other places and other conferences, and you maybe don't feel the impact of that too much. But there, the guys like Rucci and guys like Rotsloff, guys that are going to be in probably the Big Ten, whether it be Wisconsin or, you know, Minnesota and your rival, Penn State, an up-and-coming team. Well, not up-and-coming, but really, you know, hitting it uh, really well, um, you know, on the recruiting trail. So these are these are big gets, and I think both of those two names are, are probably the, the main targets right now. And like you mentioned, with the, the scholarship numbers, maybe you see, like you said, kind of a, a smaller class because you don't know what's going to be coming back. You're going to need spots available, and if you can land these two, and, and maybe once you figure it out, uh, go after some more, then then more power to it. But I think the top two targets are probably uh, those two, um, and maybe some other guys that you're going to keep in touch with, and if they decide to, to make a change, you could. But uh, as for right now, I think those are the top two names that the Badgers are going after. All right, let's talk about uh, running back Antoine Roberts while we're talking about the 2021 class. Uh, you know, Some of these high school guys that we're, we're discussing are playing, some aren't, but Antoine Roberts is playing and, and playing well. I, I didn't get a chance to see um, his stats uh, from the first two games, but it sounds they're, like he's good. Kind of, <laughs> I, I read on uh, our article uh, that we put out on Bucky's fifth quarter that he's essentially lighting the world on fire, and, and I remember we talked about him uh, a while back, and I thought he was was kind of uh, a steal of the class, you know, with that, his athleticism. But what have you made uh, of his nice and, and hot start of the season? Yeah, I mean, he, he definitely gallops when he runs. He's got long strides. But, but you look at it, he's averaging seven yards a carry, and he's already got nine touchdowns in two games. I mean, that's that's how you want to start a season, especially in high-level uh um, football in Tennessee, like he's in one of the better conferences in Tennessee, so it's not like he's going up against uh, slouches. So I think he's a kid who who the Badgers uh, hit on and were very happy about, um, even though um, maybe some of his other offers weren't up to par as where the Badgers were. You're looking at like Cincinnati, you're looking at Vanderbilt, you're looking at other some other schools, and I think he was a guy that uh, really the Badgers did a good job of getting on early and, and trying to close down their recruitment before he maybe had the opportunity to have a big senior year. I know 
He only played eight games last year, put up over a thousand yards. So he's a guy who's looked really good, and hopefully he, they can keep that going and uh, um, and really just kind of make a deep run so he could um, show what he can do and, and get ready to to be a ball carrier at Wisconsin because I know um, he he's got talent and hopefully that'll uh, carry over to Wisconsin. Yeah, he was a kid that you know I was really excited about when we were doing some of our you know player profiles for the recruiting stuff. Uh, it just he, he was a guy that really flashed some some serious tools that you'll need at the next level. Uh, and and again, it comes back to Wisconsin getting there early, doing their homework, and and getting after a guy as his commitment will probably uh, won't be tested. I, I think he's very much in the Badgers uh, pocket, but at the same time, as you put up these big numbers and really uh, show what you can do. There's going to be other schools that continue to sniff around. You know, as a kid from Tennessee, uh, I know the Volunteers were were in on him and, and kind of after him a little bit uh, recently. And then there's, you know, of course, Kentucky and, and Louisville, Memphis, all in that area uh, that, that were after him before the Badgers uh, kind of uh, poached him off. So uh, a hot start like that will will have teams, you know, kind of getting back in contact and hopefully uh, that doesn't uh, waver him at all because I think the Badgers are getting a, a really solid player uh, at the running back position to to go along with Jackson Aker. Uh, you know, I, I think just this this class, the three running backs that they've got, all bring something different, which is really exciting uh, to see once they you know kind of all get in Badger uniforms. For sure. And um, tomorrow, or I guess if you're listening to this, it'll probably be today, um, September 1st. You're going to be seeing 2022s getting contacted by schools. It's the first time that schools can be really um, contacting these guys in a while. Normally, all summer, it's been players reaching out to coaches. Um, and, and so you're going to be seeing more and more uh, contact going out. You'll probably see some new offers going out by the staff. Um, I think that's going to be fascinating to watch because with the Badgers, pretty close to capped off at the 2021 class. Um, all eyes could be turned into what could be a really, really good 2022 class as well, that the Badgers are already on a good start with Braylon Allen, who we've had on the show, and a lot of those in-state 2022 kids that we've talked with as well, um, as well as, um, you know, when we talked to Devin Brown, it made, made it seem like he's kind of inching closer and closer to a decision before he starts up as well. So, Lots to, to kind of follow along with that class as well. I know it's a ways off before their signing day ever happens, but really the way things have sped up in recruiting on the recruiting calendar, this tomorrow or today when you're listening to this is going to be a big day for, for those prospects, and you'll probably see some new offers going out by the Badgers. Yeah, that class of you know 2022 we've talked uh, a lot about and had some of these guys on the show uh, already, you know, you look at, you know, especially the in-state kids, you know, look at this 2021 class, Wisconsin did a good job of, of shoring up the border uh, there and not letting uh, too many guys get out. And you look at the in-state talent of that 2022 class already with Braylon Allen uh, committed. You've, you've got Joe Bruner, Billy Schroth, uh Carson Hinsman, all guys that uh, are, are really looking like they, they could be uh, Badgers. I know, uh, you know, uh, of course, Wisconsin's going to be in on all of them, but that, and then Isaac Ham as well, you know, Sun Prairie kid right here, local uh, in Madison. So a lot of interesting uh, players in that class uh, in state. And then, of course, there's some big names out of state that the Badgers will be going after. So this should kind of ramp up uh, the class of 2022, which will be fun to watch now that, uh, like you said, the 2021 class is, is kind of almost done. It'll be nice to see uh, and get into some of these guys that uh, we've already, you know, had on the show and have talked about their commitment and hopefully uh, 
or talked about their recruitment and, and hopefully can uh, eventually land at Wisconsin. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit of basketball for the last little bit? Because yeah. we're, we're almost out of here. Yeah, we're at 43 minutes, so we'll give you guys a little bit of basketball. And like I said uh, earlier in the show, we're, we're going to start doing more and more basketball because we can only talk about COVID and, and Big Ten blunders for so long. So we're gonna, you know, if you've been over on the uh, site we started up our returning player profiles. It's always a mouthful uh, to get <laughs> get out for me. But uh, you started with Carter Higginbottom. Uh, we're going to go through each guy on the roster, similar to what we did for football. We'll be a little bit shorter because there's not as many guys on the roster. It'll be fun to start talking about some of these guys that you're probably already very familiar with, but nice to give a little preview to. So. Just as an overall, um, you know, where do you see uh, the team as we kind of just start uh, the ball rolling on uh, on the college basketball season and the Wisconsin Badgers? Yeah, I'm I'm really excited um, to to cover them this year because I think they're they're going to be a really talented team. They've got a lot of depth. I just think it's going to be fascinating to watch um, how they improve. You know, you, we've seen videos of, of some of the guys. We've seen Aleem Ford putting in work this offseason, Brad Davison, lots of guys, um, you know, putting extra work and, and, you know, working on not only the bodies but also their games. And But then you also look at it and you see some other schools across the Big Ten returning a lot of their firepower as well. So the Badgers return, you know, the vast majority of their production last year. Uh, Our main man, Pretzel, is the only uh, guy who's not going to be returning. And and so you look at it, and I'm just fascinated to see how that stacks up with some of the other teams in the conference. Badgers played phenomenal down down the stretch. You got to start off with it this year, and I, I'm just really excited to see what they bring to the table from the get-go, and and really what that what their rotation looks like because you're going to have so many young guys, and I know we'll talk about that more later on, but but just just kind of kind of getting the feel for this team because you have such a dichotomy of really you know elder statesmen guys who've been in the program for a long time, and you've got. You know, the fresh meat, all these freshmen, seven of them in total that are on campus um, working out as well and going to be part of the fold. So I think that's going to be fascinating to watch for me on a lot of different ways because this team has a lot of potential, but it's all there's also a lot of, um, you know, unknowns based off of the fact that we don't know what other teams are going to be looking like, and the Big Ten is going to be a bloodbath in my eyes. Oh, yeah, uh, for sure. There's a lot of Big Ten teams similar to last year where everyone was kind of uh, in the thick of it uh, for most of the season. You're going to have that again here uh, uh, this upcoming season. But I'm, I'm really excited to see, you know, like the, how this you know, team with the experience, the, the guys that they bring back, and, and how some of these new guys uh, mesh in really well. You know, you look at, you know, like the Davis brothers coming in, uh, Pritzel going out. There's 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 some interesting and, and intriguing aspects of the roster uh, where you could see some of these guys and, and maybe this team, if everything meshes, maybe they're even better than where they were last year. I think that's uh, fair to assume, but at the same time, there were still some growth. I think we talk about the the latter half of the season uh, last year, rightfully so. It was a really exciting time. The team really started to click and put it together after that trip to Iowa City where things kind of fell apart for a little bit uh, and had that nice run. But there were still some ugly moments of that season. So if the, the, the Badgers that we saw at the end of last year can, can get these younger guys into the fold and into the rotation and they have a, 
a consistent and solid season throughout, I, I really think this team could be uh, exciting to watch. And there's a lot of you know good non-conference games that will hopefully uh, be playing where you're going to get to see this team tested early, which would be good because last year early in the season was was kind of ugly, uh, was very ugly when you think of you know that early season tournament out in New York. So hopefully this team can match together and and really play like they did. Uh, down the stretch last year, because if they do, they're going to be a fun-to-watch team for for many months of the year. Yeah, no doubt. I think this team is going to be one of the better uh, teams under Greg Gard uh, that that he's had, um, and I'm just excited to see what they can what they can bring to the table and and see if they can try to repeat as uh, Big Ten champs. All right. So before we go, we'll we'll touch on one little thing, and we'll we'll kind of just talk about where do you think uh, the this team's kind of might be better and and where do you think they'll be uh maybe may, where will the weakness kind of be in this team and, and then we'll cut the listeners loose and we'll get into more basketball uh here in the future yeah I think that's a good question I think for for one I, I'm not I'm not totally uh sold that there's going to be a whole crap ton of weaknesses for this team but I will say I do think they'll be better in 2020 I think some of the surrounding stuff that happened. You've got the call, the fallout with Kobe King. Then you had after that. Then you had uh, the the strength coach resigning. You had all sorts of turmoil going on, and that undoubtedly weighs on a team that pushes them. They obviously rose out of the ashes and played really, really well. But that doesn't mean that there wasn't, um, you know, just some extra stuff that could have probably uh, helped this team if it would have happened earlier because I'm guessing that there was stuff happening prior to that, which is why we saw the team struggle in a lot of ways. And I think that um, I think they will be in a better space coming into the year because they will be more um, cohesive, one would hope. With that, I do think I'm interested to see where the three-point shooting is going to come from. I thought Pritzel in a lot of ways was, was probably their best um, spot up shooter when when you needed a guy um, coming off the screen just pop out and and hit a three he he was that guy that you could kind of run a play um, kind of a zone buster in a lot of ways hit from that corner that he was so good at um, I'm I'm interested to see kind of where that comes from this year because a lot of the recruits coming in are really talented Lauren Bowman's a good shooter um, you've got the Davis brothers who aren't necessarily known primarily for their three-point shooting, really good athletes, can hit from three, are working on that, and they're definitely going to get better over time. You've got Tyler Wall, who's a returning guy, but he wasn't necessarily a great shooter last year as well, um, and he's going to be playing more minutes. You you then look at um, some of the younger forwards who have the ability to stretch their game, can hit from deep in Stephen Crawl, as well as um, Ben Carlson, who we've talked with, who is specifically working on his three-point shooting. I, I just I wonder what that's going to look like as a whole team because Trice can hit it, Davison can hit it. Um, we've seen Micah Potter just get freaking out fire and just drain from three, and he shot really really well from three. Aleem Ford can hit from three. But but I and Reavers can but there's times when they go cold and and Wisconsin has leaned so heavily on that three ball and to lose one of probably your best three point shooter what I don't care what statistics say he was probably the Badgers best three point shooter um, in a lot of ways and what he could bring and so who how do they kind of make up for that and um, how can how can they keep the three ball going because um, it is such a huge part of the Wisconsin offense. 
for better or worse. Yeah, I think you hit a really solid point there with yeah, the, the the fact that these guys can shoot and late in the season we saw them shoot really well, but they can also uh, have those cold streaks. And I think that's maybe where the weakness lies is the shooting, is just the scoring, you know, maybe not even the, the perimeter shooting, but the scoring consistencies and, and inconsistencies, you know, those minute droughts that have kind of plagued the Badgers for – you know, it's not just this team. It, you know, it's part of that swing system. Sometimes, you, in, in the way Wisconsin plays, sometimes they run into these four or five minute droughts of of scoring offense, and it can get a little ugly. So, if this team can, you know, not have that or, or limit that, I think it'll be a, a really, really good team, and the output from the offense will be much better. But it's going to be something that I think uh, year in and year out, despite the, the 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 returning production that they have, it's something to look for. Um, so definitely uh, plenty to look at in this team, both on the positives, but a couple things maybe on the negative to watch for. But everyone's got that, you know, year in and year out. You're going to have positive, you're going to have negatives, and I think the Badgers are set up uh, better than most. That they're they, they've got a lot of returning players. They've got some nice pieces that'll step in, and hopefully, uh, in terms of the negatives, they're they're pretty limited. Yeah, and I wouldn't even necessarily say it's a negative as much as or a weakness. It's more just like mm-hmm. it's a it's a question mark that's kind of just lingering um, in my brain for this team. And I'm hope I'm they've got the pieces to make three point shooting a a solid piece of the offense. It's just I want to make sure that and see it before I jump to the conclusion that yeah, this team's going to be able to hang. It can it can hit the three ball consistently what they want. Um, and I do think it will help that it's that they are more. Uh, familiar now uh, with the new three-point line and everything from last year. So I think that's going to be a benefit as well. But but it's just can they come out hot from the start and, and can they hit threes, I think, are going to be something that is going to be big for this team. That's a great way to put it, and it's a great way to end it. Like I said, guys, we'll, we'll continue to have more basketball coverage if you are looking for um, something to read about that isn't about uh, college football and, uh, you know, the Big Ten and, and what's going on there. Uh, make sure to check out Bucky'sFifthQuarter.com. Check out some of those uh, player profiles. Uh, we, we still are putting out plenty of content despite not having football, and I think basketball coverage will be a main staple in that, so feel free to go check it out on the website. As always, uh, thank you guys for listening. We, we greatly appreciate it. We'll be back with you later in the week on Wisconsin. Mm-hmm.